Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 31st, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 65, paragraph 3. Today's readers are The 12 Steps, Diane G., The 12 Traditions, Jane B. Reading the text, Carrie H., Chelsea H., Renata G. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, March 30th, 2015, is 7433. 7433. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover. Through, the ab- through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. Uh, from New Hampshire, Recovered, Not Cured, Compulsive Overeater. 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so we would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for his knowledge, uh, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, As a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. I will now ask Jane B. to read the 12 Traditions. Hi, good morning. Jane B. in Delray Beach, Florida, recovered food addict. Uh, the 12 steps. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but short, uh, trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater still suffers. Six, OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, plus problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be self, fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside its issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always, re, re, always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Jane D. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the direction for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the one speaking, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 65, paragraph 3, which starts with we went back through. And I will ask Terry H. to begin our study. Good morning, Mel. Thanks for your service. Good morning, Vision for you. My name is Terry H., recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. We went back through our lives. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. We were, when we were finished, we considered it carefully. The first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. 
Sometimes it was remorse, and then we were sore at ourselves. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victory only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. So here we are um, in this paragraph, and they're they're um, preparing us to go into the fourth column. But um, in this first first line, it says we went back through our lives, and it doesn't say we went back through our last binge. Um, so we're going to review all our resentments from when we can remember. And and this this paragraph is kind of reviewing the the paragraph that we hit on yesterday with the three columns and. Um, so the the capital consideration here for this um, for this inventory, which they're talking about, you know, the, the three inventories, is you know, refers to the first three first three columns of my resentment list, and you know, I'm going to learn a new new and successful method of uh, of dealing with resentment. So you know, they talk about column one, you know, where I'm resentful. Column two, you know, the cause, why I'm angry. You know, in column three is where I get to see from Step three is how I'm like the actor still trying to run the show, you know, how I believe the situation should have gone and how the world, you know, how I'm assigning roles to the world. And, uh, you know, so they talk about the self-esteem and, you know, um, how this was pointed out to me, you know, when it affects my self-esteem, it's my stage character and it's the role that I've assigned myself. So the first three columns are still all about me and, you know, pride is, you know, how the rest of the players are supposed to see me. Um, ambition is what I want out of the scene. Um, security is what I need out of the scene to be okay. And uh, personal relationships is, you know, my deep-seated beliefs about how I, you know, what type of relationship, you know, what it, what it should look like. And, you know, sex relations is my deep-seated beliefs on uh, how a real man and a woman should be in the situation. And, you know, pocketbook is how it relates to my finances. And, you know, I ask myself if fear is, is um, if fear comes up in any of these seven columns, and so um, it's preparing me to just kind of, kind of look at it from still my own point of view, my own eyes. And um, you know, it says to conclude that others are wrong is as far as most of us ever got. So that's you know, they're talking about the first three columns, and you know, and, and that that allowed me never to take responsibility for that resentment or see the truth in it, and. Um, I'm so grateful today, you know, um, the inventory, you know, I get to uncover, discover, and discard the things that are blocking me, you know, for this inventory. And, you know, for me, an inventory becomes a relief because the pain of doing it is, is less than the pain of not doing it. So I get to see more truth as I move move forward. And um, um, But the three, first three columns are still all about me. And I remember when my guide took me through this, she and I had no idea we, because we broke, we did the readings, you know, as column by column. So I had no idea what was coming in the fourth column. And, and she said, you know, Terry, enjoy the first three columns. And um, because I had no idea what was coming, so um, I'm grateful for I'm grateful for this inventory because you know the fourth step has definitely brought me relief. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Terry H. Who would like to comment on the paragraph that Terry read? Kim Sally. Is Ben? Yeah. Carol, Carol G. Okay, I heard. I heard uh, Ken for Madam. sure. Sally and Sally A. Reva P. Just one moment, please. Let me see if I can get these first, and then we'll move on. I heard Kim and Sally, and then after Sally, did I hear Vasa this morning? No, I you didn't. didn't. 
but I was I ready to call. I'm going to get the few that I've gotten, and I'll come back to those that are, that are coming up just now. I have Kim D., Sally, Carol G., and Matt M. That's, those are the ones I could clearly hear. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Natalie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. To conclude that others were wrong was far as most of us ever got, and the usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us, and we stayed sore. Now, this is a warning to me. This is a warning of what happens if we stay in those first three columns. Because I think Terry did a great job. Well, those first three columns are just going to reinforce our resentments. You know, I, I've been many formats of the four steps where it was just 140 questions and I was analyzing my life. And it was very interesting, but it never brought about change. I need to change. You know, when I wrote the autobiography, which was basically the first three columns of all the reasons why I was justified in eating, what it did is I tried to figure it out. I tried to explain it. And the big one is I tried to prove that I was right. I'm going to prove to you why these people are such jerks. That was the main reason of my fifth step, that I was going to prove to the person that I was giving my fourth step to what a jerk these people were and why I was so justified in my behavior and the reason that I had to eat. So this is a warning for us. They're starting to transition us away from the idea that our self-absorption, our selfishness, our self-sevenness kept us in those first three columns. And what is the outcome of that? What, is, what, is, what comes of us living in those first three columns? People continued to wrong us, and we stayed sore. So we have to move now. They're going to transition us over to that fourth column where there's change. And I just want to give one last warning, too. It says here that we were thorough and honest. And I think one of the problems, at least for me, was I thought thorough was volume. You know, if someone did a three-subject notebook of their fifth step, fourth step, and I did a five-subject notebook of my fifth step, that meant I was more thorough. Thorough was, did you follow the instructions? And I have to say, for many years and in many formats, I didn't follow the instructions. What I did was a psychological exercise analyzing my life. And analyzing my life was not going to change me. So I'm just going to end with on page 27, what is the, what is the object of this inventory? Four through nine, not just four, four through nine. And 27 says, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, were suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives began to dominate them. So the reason I need to go through these first three columns and transition to the fourth one is because these were the guiding forces of my life that I need to cast to one side. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Sally A., you're next. Good morning. Thank you, Melanie. Good morning. Good morning, a vision for you. I'm Sally A., a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. So it begins here with we went back through our lives. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. And I, I wish I had known for the 30 years that I was uh, working in OA and doing this all these different ways with all these different specialty notebooks that they've come up with. I wish I had known that what we were looking for was patterns of my behavior, that it wasn't a pity party that I was writing down everything that happened to me and that I was going to have the opportunity to tell you and justify why I've been binging my brains out and getting fat all these years, that it wasn't my fault, that I, that I did it because, 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 like the Wizard of Oz, you know? And um, 
you know, when, it, when we move on here, and it talks about this thoroughness and this honesty, I want to tell you that we have the, the antithesis of this. We see at the end of the chapter on page 71, we see the words grosser handicaps, an inventory of your grosser handicaps. And so we are being told to be thorough, but we're also being told this is our grosser handicaps because we're going to be living in step 10, 11, and 12. And you're going to be able to do the mop-up. You're going to be able to be the perfectionist that you long to be, to do this thing as perfectly as you possibly can. You, because you're going to do this through the rest of your life. You're going to be doing step 10, which captures um, steps 1 through 9 in step 10. So thorough is, that word is really, I would say, yes, we should be thorough. But we also have to be realized that, there is a time constraint. There's a time constraint? Yeah, there is a time constraint. We see on page 9 at the bottom of the page. I still there, Tally. Tally, you're still there. Okay. That's not right. me. I'll see if I can fix that. Hang on just a second. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Okay. I'm going to keep going. Hope you guys can hear me. Yes. Bottom please, of page yes, nine. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Mel. Bottom of page nine. That was two months ago. They're talking about Ebby and his process of going through the steps. It was two months that this process took place. Read that on your own on page nine. But also, we see it again on page 567 at the bottom of the page. It says, what often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. So the big book does give us some time constraints. It tells us in months. It doesn't speak in years. It speaks in months. And for myself, when I finally did this correctly, using the big book format, it took me nine months because I had a lot of resentments and I had a lot of amends to make. And so it took me a total of nine months, which, which I must say meant that I had to really lean in and press in to the fellowship around me to help me to stay abstinent while I went through this really painful process of looking over my shoulder and making an account of what I did. I've said a lot, so I'll let it, I'll let it go with that. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Sally. Sorry for the interruption. Carol G., you're next. Morning, Melanie. Morning, Team Tuesday. Hi, Vision Pukes. Carol Recovered, Compulsive Overeater. Yeah, what a wonderful book this is. This book's the work of living out for me today. Um, just looking at the big picture for a moment, when I heard this paragraph, it, it immediately took me back to when I first came to Overeats Anonymous. Um, I'd been going back over my life thoroughly for the last 35 years. I absolutely had no power over that rewinding thing that used to happen in my head. Um, and talking about it didn't help me either because I was just re-feeling the hurts over and over and over again. But this process changed all that. Um, it moved from, it's my dad's fault, it's my boss's fault, um, to suddenly I could begin to see where I was involved. And I always thought that I could just find a thread that was going to unpick myself and I'd just get control back over food and people. But I never realized that I had this restless spirit within me. I was hurt and rejected by life. And then someone in OA made me an offer I couldn't refuse. They handed me this little blue book and told me to read it. And like I've told you before, I would read the same line over and over and over again. But that was because 
The grouch in the brainstorm was so loud, I couldn't concentrate. And then I turned to a paragraph in the back of the book. And I made a mistake. I actually, when I was given this book, I thought it was a novel. Um, so I thought, if I turn to the ending, find out how this story ends, see whether I actually want to join, that's what I'll do. Turn to the back of the page, onto page 560 in the third edition, and I read the most powerful and amazing words. It said, above all, we reject fantasizing and accept reality. The more I drank, the more I fantasized everything. I imagined getting even for hurts and rejections. In my mind's eye, I played and replayed scenes in which I was plucked magically from the bar where I stood nursing a drink and was instantly exalted to some position of power and prestige. I lived in a dream world. OA led me gently from this fantasizing to embrace reality with open arms. And I found it beautiful. And for at last, I was at peace with myself and with others and with God. And just below that, I've written in pencil all those years ago, this is where I want to be in this place. And by working through this process, this is where I am, one day at a time. As long as I continue to look at my grouch and brainstorm, remorse and resentment and hand it over and do the house cleaning, I can follow this set of instructions. This set of instructions are the greatest gift I've ever been given. Thank you, Overeaters Anonymous. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Carol D. Matt M., I have you next. Hi, good morning, fellow visionaries. This is Matt M. I'm a compulsive overeater from New Jersey on the East Coast. Yeah, I love the last line of this. It says, um, you know, but... Matt, are you still there? Press star one, please. I can hear you. I can, thanks. Sorry, I thought I was unmuted. Uh, hi, everyone. Good morning. This is Matt M. Compulsive Overeater from New Jersey on the East Coast. Yeah, that last line, that paragraph, really um, says it all. The more the victory always seemed to win, a moment of triumph was short lived. Yeah, that was me my whole life. I was somebody who just realized I thought I was always right. You know, five people can be wrong, and I had to be right. You know, my whole family, I was, I was a family of five. And they could tell me to my face that I was completely wrong on something, and I was like, no, I'm not. You know, you could tell me, they told me the sky was gray, I told them it was blue. You know, it's just not, that, that, the stupidest things. I would always have to be right, you know, because in my head, I was angry and bitter and resentful, and I want, I want the whole world to be wrong and not always to be right, so I can go on eating and eating and eating and eating. Um, because I want to blame the world for my problems, well, it's me, poor me, you know, poor me, poor me another. You know, I own the pity party, the pity pot, so that's the reason why I want to eat. Because I, I, I was chubby, I was fat, and everybody, it's everybody else's fault, you know. <laughs> and I realized that at a young age that um, I didn't want to, um, to ever be wrong because I realized once I realized I was wrong, then I had to come face to face with my innermost demons and the problems I really had. Like, well, how did I cause this problem to happen to myself? What was the root of my issues? And I'm doing a fourth step right now, and it's like going back in time. I, I'm refilling a lot of these resentments. I stalled out. I'm not going to lie. It's about rigorous honesty. I stalled out on my fourth step recently, and my higher power got me back on track because it came through a loving member of the program who said, yeah, you got to keep doing this. You, you, you can't stop writing. you got to write every day. If you stop, you will, you will die from this disease. And when she said that to me, I, I was instantly angry at her. And I realized, you know, when I got home that day from her home, I was like, you know what, she's right. 
So I, I finished a section and I'm going over the next section with my sponsor because you know why? I, I really don't want to die from the disease. I saw plenty of people in my life die from this disease and I don't want to be another statistic. I just want to have recovery one day at a time and it's not going to happen until I finish working through the steps. But that'll pass. Thank you, Matt M. And I did hear also Lisa P. Are you still there and wanting to share? That was Reva P. Reva P. Okay, great. Thank you. Good morning to you. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. This paragraph reminds me of three important things for me. First of all, my first inventory, when I was able to write out about all the people I was angry at, I was so relieved. I thought, this is a fantastic thing. And um, also, column two was wonderful because I was using logic a lot. Because my logic was, if I figure out why I'm eating, I will solve the why question and I'll be fixed. Um, but thank you, God, my sponsor did not let me wallow in column two. Um, and why questions never help me today as well. Um, and for me, it was such a shock that I had a part in any of the relationships that were so unhealthy. I was totally shocked. Um, but it was also a huge salvation because I realized there was something I could do about it. I wasn't the victim and at the mercy of everybody else um, because everybody had wronged me and I was like this and my life was like this because of everybody else. Um, And it was the first time in my life I saw, as was mentioned before, that I needed to take responsibility um, and I had a part in anything. And that was actually a huge uh, sense of freedom to know that, um, that I wasn't such a victim anymore. Um, And that's all I have to share. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Reva P. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Bella, can I share? Bella G, did I hear Larry? Yes. Kim M and Bassa. And Kim M and Bassa. And I'll take one more. Who else is out there? Okay, we'll go. We'll start with um, Bella G. Good morning, Bella. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankfully recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. As in a war, as in a war, the victory, the victor only seemed to to win. Yes. Remember that when I did the step four, it was after I was connecting to a loving power, to an accepting power. I was a free, a free field person. So it was about the time to to connect to my real self, to to know who I am. And suddenly I saw black and white. That my life before the program was like in a war. I wanted so much to be the winner. As as much as I was running after the win, the victory, I was just losing. I was just a loser in all the areas. In every aspect in my life, I was a loser. Instead of using my qualities, I was using my character defect. 
I was connected to my ego. I wanted to please people. I, I had so many fears in my life, and I was just blaming everybody. I was blaming the whole entire world. I was blaming myself, and I was a loser. Thank you, God. I did this fourth step with accepting myself. Now I don't need to prove anymore who I am. I am connected to a loving power, to, to accepting God, not anymore a punishing God. Now it's about the time to, to accept myself as a human. Yes, I am not in a war anymore. I don't want to please people. I am not looking for the winning. I am looking to make better my connection to the higher power. How can I make it better when I look at myself, when I accept myself and I love myself? And yes, I am human. I can do mistakes and I will do mistakes because I don't know everything all the time. I am willing to learn to make the connection better and better. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella D. Larry Kay, you're next. Thanks, Melanie. Uh, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. So it says, to conclude that others were wrong were as far as most of us ever got. And uh, that's, that's a big statement for me, you know, because, you know, my resentments embodied a, a basic choice uh, to keep them propped up in my life. And, and how was I going to do this? Well, the, you know, there were some steps I took there, too. Uh, you know, the first step, you know, is I, I chose to refuse to forgive. You know, and, and the second step was it was kind of this ironclad unwillingness to let bygones be bygones and bury the hatchet. You know, that, that was not going to happen. My pride was too too great to allow that to happen. <clears throat> and, you know, another step I chose, you know, I'm, I'm going to choose never to forget. And I'm going to rehash my painful past as often as was necessary to remain, you know, stuck in this misery. You know, I'll show you. And, um, and, 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 then, and then, you know, this was a biggie. I, I chose to hold on to the illusion that, you know, belaboring my resentment, I'll somehow, someday, achieve the justice I deserve. You know, that was, that was the other thing, too. And, and I think I, I chose to cling to kind of a, a futile, um, self-centered need to be right which you know, we, we heard other people talk about this morning, which really overrides the capacity to heal and, and to, be, uh, to be at peace. And, you know, it, I mean, for me, that's, there were certain things that I did with these resentments that, were, that I thought were serving me. Um, and I can guarantee you, if you take those steps too, you know, you, you, you know through a bitter experience, I know that you'll remain forever blocked off from your higher power because that was the case for me. And, you know, I remember reading, um, there was a, uh, an anonymous uh, person that, that wrote this. It said, the moment you start to resent the person, you become his slave. He controls your dreams, absorbs your digestion your digestion robs you of your peace of mind and goodwill and takes away the pleasure of your work. He ruins your religion and nullifies your prayers. You cannot take a vacation without his going along. He destroys your freedom of mind and hounds you wherever you go. There's no way to escape the person you resent. 
He's with you when you're awake. He invades your privacy when you sleep. He's close beside you when you drive your car and when you're on the job. You can never have efficiency or happiness. He influences even the tone of your voice. He requires you to take medicine for indigestion, headaches, loss of energy. He even steals your last moment of consciousness before you go to sleep. So if you want to be a slave, harbor your resentments. And that, to me, you know, it was, was, was the whole thing that, um, that God had to remove my resentments. I wasn't going to remove my own resentments. Well, I tried that in therapy. Maybe you did too. I, my resentments would be removed by God. But in this step, we're just taking our, our inventory at this point. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Kim M., you're next. Melanie, is it me, Vasa? Kim M. first, and then you, Vasa. Thank you. Kim M., press star one. Vasa, do you want to step in here while Kim's getting squared away, and we'll come back to her? Yes. If you're ready. Great. Thank you. I am. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie, for your service, and good morning, everybody. And I'm Vasa always. Hello, can you hear me? Oh, we can. We went Kim. ahead and started with. Hi, Kim. We went ahead and started with Vasa. If you hang on, we'll get right to you. Thank you. We were you. just waiting for you to get ready. Thank you so much. Okay, Vasa, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, as I said, I'm, um, I'm Vasa always have a compulsive reader calling from Florida and just taking an inventory cleaning house. And I could have never done this without doing the the first three steps, especially the the third step. But I remember before I did any of um, of my inventory, it talks in the doctor's opinion. Um, more often than not, it is imperative that man's brain brain be clear before he's approached. Uh, he has then a better chance of understanding, accepting what we have to offer. So I know for me, when I did any of the house cleaning or any of the writing, I, I, that was the most important at that time to be abstinent uh, and to put those toxic poisoning foods that, you know, were uh, causing me the allergy. I needed to put those things down. But anyways, I had done quite a few four steps. Um, the first one I did it with a therapist and was the best thing I had ever done because it was going to be it's going to be anonymous. Nobody was going to know what I said, what I did, and I, it felt wonderful. I did it on my child, my childhood, adolescent, and adulthood, and I remember feeling so good when I walked out of there because I could express how I really felt as growing up in an alcoholic home. Children were being to see, not to be heard. So that was a big relief for me. Every time I left, I felt so much better. And that took took a while because I went to see my therapist like once a month, once a week. And then I did another one with the, the big book, The Way It's Laid Out. And that took about nine months because my sponsor lived far away. We couldn't see each other all the time. So that's why it took time to write it and to give it away. And... And then I did another one by the, the way it's laid out here. We went back thorough through our lives. Nothing counted but thorough and honesty. When we were finished, we considered it carefully. 
Well, I wanted to do another one because I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. So that one took about three years with somebody that was on the phone bridge. And we met once a week, and she would give us instructions right from the beginning, the way we read, like here, the vision for you, and paragraph by paragraph, and word, and she would give us words to look up, and she would give us questions to answer. So I felt, I mean, that was really, really, really thorough. And we had a buddy. You know, we had, I had to give nice. my homework and to the other person. So I will never want to ever, ever go back and do another fourth step. I am very comfortable and content doing step 10, 11, and 12. I wanted to put the past behind me, and I just want to move forward. But I remember doing a very thorough uh, fourth step. And it's nice not to go back and to see, boy, where I was years ago to where I am today. So... I don't want to take any more time. Thank you very much for letting me share. Thank you, Vasa O. And um, we will continue with the next paragraph after Kim M. shares. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can. Good. Okay. My phone wouldn't unmute. Hi, everyone. This is uh, Kim M. calling from Texas, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, in step four, when I was taking my step four inventory, you know, at first it was kind of fun when you could write down all of your resentments and how you feel that you were wronged and, and all of that. And um, it took me, you know, 10, 15 pages to do that. And then, um, but then you get to the part where you kind of try to analyze what your part may have been in it. And what I realized was that not all, but most of my resistance was from my own hands, from my own doing, from me trying to run the show, you know, as they explain on pages 60 through 63. And um, I had to come to the realization that I needed to mind my own business. And, uh, and then after I started doing that, there was just a freedom that came over me that I would call a, a spiritual experience because it's just been so different, and I live my life so different from the way I was doing it before. You know, I don't have all the answers, but you couldn't have told me that because I thought I had all the answers. So um, I'm just very grateful to be here and grateful to be absent today. And um, I hope you guys have a great day, and thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Kim M. And now I will ask Chelsea H., please, to read paragraph one on page 66. Good morning, Chelsea. Good morning, Mel. Thank you for your service. I'm Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile. But with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns, and we drink again. 
and with us, to drink is to die. So this information here now is telling me that as a result of what it just told me to do was to, um, we went back through our lives, and it's telling us that we, when we finished it, it says when we finished, we considered it carefully. Well, after considering it, it's plain to us that these deep resentments are just the thing that is keeping us from any type of relief, any type of relief at all. And we have to have a change, a shift in thinking, and then it requires maintenance and growth. That's the hope. We're hoping that. And it's saying that we're wasting a lot of time. We're wasting squandering. We're wasting hours where we could have been productive in life, eating. We're spending countless hours complaining about the eating. We're spending even more time being bitter at others who can eat without impunity. And then we're spending even more time trying to manage the whole situation to no avail. So it comes out to just a whole big pile of mess. And by harboring it, giving it safe refuge, living it over and over and over again, giving it permission, giving it permission to take over us, we in turn eat. The insanity of alcohol returns. This says another thing, too, to me um, here at this point in the text, is that I'm not to sit in this process. I'm not to be lingering around. It's an ongoing process for lifetime. And it said very clearly at the outset that we launched out on a course of vigorous action. Vigorous action. We weren't sauntering around, you know, not tiptoeing around and kind of milling about and hemming and hawing and, you know, we, we moved through with a good clip, but we were thorough. And this, the, the book says that, not me. The book is saying vigorous action. And then it goes on to let me know that, excuse me, as a result of not implementing that vigorous action, the first portion of the whole process is this portion right here. If I spend a whole lot of time hanging around in here, then the food's going to catch up with me. Not only the food, the insanity that surrounded my ism. My ism is going to kick in, and I will eat, and I will die as a result of that. Because I'm always, I, I always have another relapse. I'm, I just, I'm not sure if I have another recovery. And to take that chance is not something that I'm willing to ever do again. And I'm willing to take my medicine each and every day, these 12 steps. And I'm willing each and every day to give service and live in 10, 11, and 12 10 will cover this work again. 10 covers the whole process again. So that way I can get well again because a lot of times, like I said, I have these awakenings, but I do doze off. And those times are when self comes in and figures it can sneak in and take over and try to run the show again. But thankfully, thankfully this self-imposed crisis that I was harboring is no longer finding refuge with me because I've turned to a source of infinite power that can handle it. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Chelsea H. Charles H. from New York. Hi, Charles H. Can anyone else like to? Renata. I'll take up to four based on our time. Did I hear MJ? Jan G. Jan G. And then someone before Jan. Lisa M. Lisa M. Okay, let's go with those four and see what our time works out to be. Good morning, Charles. It's your turn. Good morning, Good morning Melanie. My name is Charles A. I will cover this day just for today. Thanks for everybody on the line. I'm just going to cut this disease off right by the neck, right, real quick. 
cut off on the sun, sunlight of the spirit? Nah, man. Nah. Nah, nah, not today. Maybe yesterday, but not today. You know what? By faith, right? I'm blazing these resentments that I'm going to have today away by faith. And, you know, and, and thank God, right, like four and five, it's the, the fourth and the fifth column tells me that I ain't got to be burnt up no more. Can I say that much? I ain't got to be burnt up no more, right? Because I'm giving you a pass ahead of time. Because just because I do the work, I've done the work, I need to continue to do the work. Because if you're human, right, if you're human like me, you're going to get resentment. I don't care if you say you're recovered, cured, uh, exemplified, Whatever the mother words the big book use, I ain't no thumper, but I'm one day at a time I'm willing, right, to learn. And thank God for the new set of eyeglasses I got. You know, thank God for my sponsor that we use every piece of literature in OA and the big book, right? And it took me a while, right? But I'm going to give my sponsor, my sponsee a break. You know, it's, it's too much time. I ain't got no time to be playing with y'all in 4 through 9, man, because people are dying out here getting stuck between four and step nine and not coming out on the other side. And I'm not taking no knocks on my sponsors or my sponsor. I'm grateful, right? If I wasn't convinced, and even going through the steps, I got beaten up, beat down with feelings and thoughts and all that. But by, by faith, I'm waving those resentments goodbye. By faith, the ones that's coming up right now, goodbye. I'm giving you a pass, world. Because y'all gave me a pass for 40-something years. And with that, I'm a pass. I want to hear everybody else. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Charles H. Renata G., it's your turn. Renata, press star one. Just want to make sure I can be heard. since we've been having some technical difficulties. We can hear you, Melanie. Can you hear me now, Melanie? Now I'm clear. Thank you for the confirmation, folks. Appreciate that. Yes, we can Can hear you now, Renata. Good morning. Okay. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Um, Renata G., recovered compulsory in New York. Good morning, everybody. Um, A life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. That was so true for me. My life was so small, and I didn't even know that. And, you know, writing the first three columns was, was very easy. You know, I, I had a lot of practice in blaming others and, <clears throat> excuse me, saying how people did me wrong. But even in the first three columns, I was able to see, you know, the futility of some of my resentments. Um, for example, you know, I, I resented pretty skinny girls. You know, just the fact that they existed and I wasn't one of them was enough. I resented overweight people because they represented my disease. I resented people that were brave and confident in life, you know, because I was not. And then I resented people that were too afraid or insecure, you know, because I could relate to that. And so, like, there was no win situation. Like it says, you know, in the paragraph before. And these are just some of the examples, you know. And um, my moments of triumph were short-lived, you know. My my resentment control, my resentments controlled me, and I did not know that 
until we started writing this inventory, you know. Uh, harboring my resentments worked for me until it didn't work anymore. It was just like with the food, you know. At first, you know, hanging on to my resentments gave me some satisfaction, gave me some, you know, some ease and comfort. Like it, it, it made me feel good to blame others for whatever was happening to me. But after, you know, after a while, like all they did was to keep me isolated from people, angry and, you know, hiding behind my inadequacies and insecurities and, of course, in the food, you know. I was always so busy with resentments in my mind that, you know, I I did not have the time or the capacity or the energy to live life, you know. And it says... Resentments are fatal, and they're fatal to me because they keep me dead spiritually. They block me off from my higher power, and I can't, I can't, you know, I couldn't stand the chatter in my head and the injustice that was done to poor Renata, you know, fancied or real. Most of them were fancied, of course, and uh, I needed huge amounts of food to quiet everything down, to numb out. And, uh, you know, so many hours and so many days of my life were wasted in this disease and uh, that I had to be ready to do things differently. You know, I had to take a step of faith, you know, a leap of courage and try this inventory. And, uh, you know, I, I know that I don't want to give this disease another day, another minute of my life. And um, my higher power was just waiting for me to make some space you know, to get rid of what was not working so he could fill me with his grace, his guidance, peace of mind and serenity. And uh, even though I was really ashamed of some of my resentments, I knew I couldn't hold anything back. Oh, okay, sorry. And, uh, you know, just thank God for these 12 steps and the courage and willingness to keep on moving forward. Thanks, and I pass. Thank you, Renata. Lisa M., Thank you, everyone. Um, my name is Lisa M., and I'm uh, a compulsive overeater calling from Massachusetts. This has been a really good meeting, and I'm really getting a lot out of everyone's share, and I'm relating to it a lot. Um, you know, when I was doing this process, uh, you know, I didn't know what the heck was wrong with me. I just knew I was eating a lot, and I couldn't, I was confused all the time. And so when I started doing the resentments and the reasons and how it affected me, you know, I just really felt like, gosh, you know, no wonder, you know, I can't get any relief. No wonder there's no God in my life. There's so much darkness in my life. I'm spending so much time thinking about other people, worrying about other people, hating other people. And, you know, and I had all these resentments really dumb resentments against, you know, you know, blondes and blue eyes and rich people. You know, I mean, I just spent so much time wasting time doing that. And um, I just had no clue. And, you know, this was such an awesome experience for me to do because there was no other way. There was no other way I was going to get any relief except by doing the steps and doing this four steps. So I was so, so glad I found this program. And I'm so grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous and writing this stuff because there is no way I could have done this. And it, 
And it really brought me out of the darkness, and there was no other way I would have been able to do that. So um, that's it. Thank you. Pass. Thank you, Lisa M. And we will close out with Jan today. And I didn't get the first initial of your last name, Jan. Hi, this is Jan G. from New York. Um, I've been listening to the lines for almost a year, and I feel like I need to share. Um, I am so grateful for everybody on the line. I've been in this disease and in these resentments for decades, and um, I've tried everything and looked for everything, and I really believe the answer and my recovery is in a vision for you. And I can't wait to get a sponsor. I cannot wait to do the fourth step. I cannot wait to get rid of my resentments because I know my resentments are killing me. Um, My resentments start from the minute I wake up until walking out of the house and throughout the day. And I'm always blaming everybody. And, you know, I'm, I, I finally sat myself down and says, Jan, you are the common denominator of all these resentments. And it, it the whole world can't be wrong. It, you know, it has to be you. And so um, I just basically wanted to thank everybody for um, all their service because every day that I go on the line, I learn so much. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jan G. We do have time now, though, in reflection for uh, someone to have a two-minute share. Would someone like to take that? Sue. Hi, Sue. Go ahead. Take that two minutes, please. Thanks. Um, This is Sue V, Recovered Compulsive Overeater up in Connecticut. And, you know, I just guess I've been, you know, listening and thinking so much about the idea that it's self-centeredness we have to get rid of, you know. Um, I was I was happy in my addiction. I didn't want anything. I mean, for a long time, what I mean is I got a lot out of it. That's what I mean. It did what I wanted it to do. I wanted to live the life I chose to live. And what I didn't understand, although I never had it, was I didn't know I didn't have this connection to people to others. I didn't have this connection to any higher power. And I mean like an emotional feeling of anything. I had none of that. But it was my survival, my addiction. It was my survival. And only by absolutely having to did I come to, you know, work a 12-step program. It wasn't my choice or way of life. That's the person I was. But I did want to be rid of this addiction. And through the steps, you know, what I learned was how self-centered my life was. And what I was trying to cover up this inability to have compassion or feelings for other or feel connected, what I was trying to cover up was something that had to be fixed another way, another way. And we start by that fact-finding thing, you know. We make a choice, we make a decision, and we go through it. And this over-emotionalism I used to go into, this over-analysis, and that's part of the self-centeredness. Yes, there has to be a fair amount of examination to uncover, you know, to uncover the defects. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to bring me down morning, noon, and night. I walk through this life free today because, and I'm a different person. I have compassion. I have connections. It's, um, 
it's a whole different way of life. But it, it, and the only way I got to it was by doing the steps, being uncomfortable sometimes, you know, but doing that fourth step and looking at it just as it's been explained is that fact-finding mission, you know, that's what I'm looking at. I'm, I got a job to do. The mission is to change so I don't have to overeat anymore. And I'm doing God's will today. You know, that's what my, my intent is, you know. So I can't be open to that if I'm in the food, and I can't even get there if I haven't done the fourth and fifth step. So um, that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Subi, for closing us out. And thank you to all the fellows that shared today. We will now close this meeting with a reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that by the serenity prayer. Well, Renata G., please read for us a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find, and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.